Al-Bayan Radio presents Tafsir Unlocked, presented by Sheikh Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and alhamdulillah, ahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'aghfiru. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyati amalina. Man yahdihillah falamudillala, wa man yuddil falantajida lahu waliyan murshida. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahadul qahhar, wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون. Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides, there is none that can misguide Him. And He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى leads astray, then there is none that can guide Him except through the will and permission of Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashmi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind, O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam, do not die except that you are Muslims. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 38 in our reading of a tafsir. And today, by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will take the final verse of the fifth page of the Qur'an, Verse 29 of Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, before I read to you this verse, we need to keep in mind how the previous verse ended. Who remembers? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, in the end of, surah, of, of verse 28, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Then unto him you return. Who's the him here? Unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this comes in a specific context and it needs to be understood in a specific context because the next verse starts in a very unique way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he then says in verse 29, <laughs> Allah begins this verse by saying He is the one who created He is the one who created The one who brought into existence after it was non-existent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing to you here specifically after he just told you previously in the previous verse, and unto him you return, but he is the one who created you after you were non-existent, then brought you to life, then will cause you to die, then will bring you back to life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is telling you that he is the one who what? Khalaqa, created. And who did he create it for? Khalaqa lakum. He created everything for you. The purpose of it was for you. You are the reason. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, what did He create? مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا Anything that exists upon the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created it. Now He is the one, يعني Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created for you from this non-existence, right? And this is subhanallah, something that you can understand. That He is the one who created you when you were nothing. And now he's saying that he's created everything for you that exists. So why is this unfathomable? Right? It comes in a very specific pattern. That he created you from nothing, then you were non-existent, 
then he will cause you to die. Then he will what? Bring you back to life and unto him you return. And he is the one who what? Created everything for you. So just as he created you from nothing, he created this creation from nothing. That is something that is very important. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this world from nothing. Now, subhanallah, over here, what this means is everything that exists is from the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But specifically, it is a blessing for every one of us. It is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all of us, all of the creation. Now, subhanallah, whatever you find upon the earth that you need, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created it. Now, subhanallah, he made for you the water to drink. He made for you the air to breathe. He made from you, for you the sky as a canopy. He made for you the earth as a place of resting. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did all of this. All of this is from the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the creation itself, for all of us all. So anything that has benefit upon the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it for us. Now subhanallah, this was for the favor of you, for the benefit of you, not for the benefit of the creator. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not benefit from water. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need water. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need the provisions on the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need of anything. So all of this was for you. And this is why it is such a great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of us. Everything that exists. Now subhanallah, like if we contemplate right a bit deeper, that we see that everything that is there is a blessing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even things that you may deem as being harmful. Right? So for instance, like hypothetically speaking, when I see snakes, I freak out. Right? Come on, snakes. Do you know what I mean? It's too much haraka, not enough bones. Like you, you don't know what's going on, right? It's, it's moving too quick. For me, this freaks me out. Why? Is because every time I see a snake, personally, I think of the grave. I think of the grave. And I think of that snake being with me in the grave. So over here, what am I being reminded from? From something that seemingly has no benefit to me. But how has it benefited me? I see the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I see the possible punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon those who he deems to punish. So over here, something as يعني, like a snake which has no immediate benefit. It's not like water which we benefit directly from, like air which we directly breathe. But over here, something that you deem as being يعني, no benefit in it, you can benefit something from it. Right, so subhanAllah, some of the scholars have stated that things like venomous creatures, its benefit is that one can be reminded of the punishments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this over here, imagine what he can create over there and what he has created over there as a punishment of those who deserve it. SubhanAllah, there is a benefit in everything. Now, subhanAllah, for instance, when someone sees alcohol, right? He can see that this is something that is beautified. This is something that people have made to be pleasurable. This is what is described as being the epitome of happiness for some people. They look forward to when they go on a Friday night and to just khalas, lose every sense and their dollars and what have you, right? They beautify it, right? If you look at any of the commercials, it's something that's seen as 
يعني premium right not like the normal ones that you see like VVs and like the dodgies you know what I mean in, in the area the, the junkies that are just like not those guys right but if you see how and all of these things are being promoted it's seen as status it's seen as something that you want to aim to achieve yes no maybe right <laughs> said yes too quickly now <laughs> so over here these things subhanallah like yani akramakumullah all these types of alcohols they're seen as pleasurable. So you see and you're reminded of that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created certain pleasures in this dunya, that if you have it, you will be punished in the akhirah. And that is why the sahaba, they said, right, some of the salaf, they even said that this is for them in the dunya and for us in the akhirah. But what were they reminded from? By seeing it, right? So over here, this is supposed to show you that these are things that are beautified. But they are haram. And we know in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as found in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Jahannam is surrounded by pleasures. By that which is seen as pleasurable. So over here there are certain pleasures that will lead you in Jahannam. And so when you see something like alcohol, which has seemingly no benefit to you as a human being, as a Muslim, but there is a benefit. You can be reminded of something that is very important to your akhirah. You can use it as a means of increasing in, in iman. That over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden things and this will lead me into jahannam even if they glorify it, even if they try to bring it up and raise its status, then these are things that are haram and will lead to what? Jahannam. And so is every other intoxicant. Right? If you look at any other drug, akramakumullah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard our families, but it's anything that is like this. Right? Yani people, they will steal money to get, you don't want to say it in a masjid, yani the masjid has some hurma, but yani a small bag of something, right? Thousands of dollars just to completely lose it, right? To feel something. So they've glorified it, they've raised its status. But over here, you know, you know that this will lead you into Jahannam. This is the ways that you lose your mind. This is a way that you lose your akhirah. So it's no benefit in your deen nor your dunya. Right? No benefit whatsoever in this world and the next. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. So everything that has been created on the earth has a benefit. It has a benefit. Now subhanAllah, others have stated that it means that everything has been created for you in this dunya so that you can have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through it and so that you don't use that to oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disobey Him. So everything is a means for you to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is God consciousness, which is to make sure that you are pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything has been put here for you so that you can have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't use that which Allah has given you to oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says that our scholars, his scholars, subhanAllah, they stated that having fear of poverty is having bad suspicion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where's the connection? Where's the connection? Right? Having fear of poverty is from what? Bad suspicion. Su'udhan. Right? Having bad suspicion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything that is here for them, for the children of Adam, for all of the creation. So how can you think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will abandon you when he has created the heavens and the earth, everything that is here, 
for you and you don't even deserve it. You don't deserve it. Do you, did you, do you have an innate right, right, to deserve water or to deserve air? If that was not there, can't really complain anything because you didn't do anything to earn it, right? You just were literally born into this creation. So over here, you didn't deserve it. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you everything. Now, how can you be fearful of poverty when Allah gave you all of that which you didn't even ask for? Has anyone sat here without being sick and said, Ya Allah, I want my heartbeat to go at like, what's the normal heart rate? Does anyone know? Come on, any medical students? How much? 120? Well, whatever it is, khalas, that, that, right? Whatever he said, that's what my man, right? Whatever my man says. So over here, no one has said, Ya Allah, make my heart rate yani, be at that level. No one has said this without being sick, right? Has anyone, when they were young, did they try to run on the spot and make their heart beat higher so that their parents weren't taken to school? No, just me? Okay, khalas, let's put, the, let's put that on the side, you know what I mean? But like, they'd always check your, your heart rate to see if you're sick. So if you ran before they come, your heart rate gets up. And then you get a little bit hot too, so then they won't take you to school. Anyways, now, astaghfirullah. Now, subhanallah, when we truly understand this, then we understand the karam, the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He provides for all. And most of the time, that which He provides for us, we don't even ask Him, subhanallah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Thumma stawa. Thumma stawa. Now this, over here, is today one of the most disputed words of the Qur'an in its meaning. What does this mean? Does it mean one or another? So this issue over here came to a very good class. You know what I mean? It's obviously something that's red hot. Probably going to get us you know, cancelled somewhere. But anyways, regardless. Now this verse over here, this portion of the verse, Thumma Stawa, is today one of the most widely disputed issues in Islam. Now, subhanallah, the people of Ahlul Sunnah, the people who follow the Sunnah, the methodology of the Sunnah, the congregation of the Sunnah from the Sahaba and the Tabi'een and the Atba' and those who followed in their way, they have one position. Right? And the other side, those who claim to follow the Quran and the Sunnah and the Salaf and the Atba', they also say that they follow another way. So, how is this the case? Now, subhanallah, what does this mean first? And then we'll get to it. Right? What does this mean? It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, as he mentioned, al-irtifa'u wal-uluwu ala shay Al-irtifa'u wal-uluwu ala shay What this means is to rise above, rise and be above something. Then Allah rose above something, right? And what comes next is an explanation to this. So over here, this is what we affirm, that Allah rose above. This is the meaning has been presented in the Arabic language and is understood by anyone who speaks actual Arabic. Now over here, Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah, he says, the best meaning of the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he says after it, he says, I'm giving you the Arabic. Why? It's because if someone ever wanted to cut it out, they can't say, Oh, we mistranslated. You know what I mean? This is very important. This is from 
Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah Which means he rose above it and was above it Ala alayhin he was He rose above it Right And was above it He rose above and was above So over here Then he says Then he portioned the skies And created them into seven heavens Into seven skies Now he Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah What did we say about Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah Previously You've mentioned this a couple times Imam al-Mufassirin Right? He is the leader of the scholars of tafsir One of the greatest scholars of tafsir who ever lived Right? And so if you see after who comes after They always go back to Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah And everyone wants Imam al-Tabari on their side Right? But look at what he says He, Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah He says it is bewildering Right? It's ajeeb It's strange What? To see those who deny the meaning that is understood from the speech of the Arabs in their understanding of That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In the Arabic language, this word, it has a very clear meaning What is it? Rose above Rose above Now, what did the Salaf say about this? Right? Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah This is a book that I wish gets translated Insha'Allah He has a book uh, on specifically يعني, this issue Somewhat He has a book that's called Ijtima' Jewish al-Islamiyya Ijtima' Jewish al-Islamiyya Ala ghazb al-Mu'attila wal-Jahmiyya Nice rhyming right? title But anyways it means The gathering of the armies Upon fighting the Mu'attila and the Jahmiyya The gathering of the armies of Islam Upon fighting the Mu'attila and the Jahmiyya Those who denied they have one thing in common They denied the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Right, So over here, this is one book That's very very important for any student of knowledge to read Another book, which is one of my favorite books of all time After the Quran and the Sunnah, obviously right? What's your favorite book? Oh, he never said the Quran Obviously the Quran and the Sunnah is the favorite right? By default right? But there is a book by Imam al-Bukhari Which is called Khalqa Fa'alul Ibad right? Very important book And again, this book has not been translated yet I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it translated in a good translation. But this is, يعني, to me, these are two thorns in the necks of any deviant. These two books, specifically. They are thorns. Because they're so explicit and so clear about what is happening and what the salaf were upon, that it just can't be denied. Now, subhanallah, I have eight pages. Of statements of the Salaf About this issue We're going to go through first what I got here Right uh, Imam Ahmad rahimahullah was asked Is Allah above his throne Above the Arsh Above the seventh heaven Separated from his creatures And is his knowledge and power Over everything Everywhere He replied certainly He Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is above his Arsh Above his throne and nothing escapes his knowledge So Allah's knowledge is everywhere However Allah is above the throne Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah He says The creed which I hold Is the same creed of the Muslims before me That they were holding Namely the testimony of faith That there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah And that Muhammad is the messenger And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is above his arsh Is above his throne Above the heavens So over here This is two. Then we have others like Abdullah ibn Mubarak, rahimahullah, he says, We do not say as the Jahmiyyah say that Allah is on the earth. 
We don't say that Allah is everywhere In every crevice of the earth No We say that Allah has risen over his throne And this is found in Imam al-Bukhari's Khalqa Fa'al al-Ibad Imam al-Awza'i rahimahullah Who died in the year 157 He says We and the Tabi'oon All of us Which is the generation that followed the Sahaba Who did they take their knowledge from? The companions now, Something that is important Something that is integral For your Islamic studies Is to understand the concept Of who the Tabi'een were The Tabi'een Is not as mistranslated The generation who came after the companions We don't say this What do we say? They were the generation who came after the companions Who were the students of the companions Those who took from the companions Because the Khawarij were there at the same time The Jahmiyyah Right? And all these people, right, and later on, but let's just say those who denied Qadr, like the Qadariyyah, were around at the time of the companions. So we don't say they're the generation that followed blanketly. We say that they're the generation that followed the companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, who took from the Sahaba. They were the students of the Sahaba. So Ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, was a student of who? Abu Hurair, radiallahu Not just any random who was there at that generation. So yes, the best generation were the generation of the companions. And the best generation after that were the tabi'un. Yes, this is by يعني, consensus. Because the hadith that's clearly cut on this issue. There's no ifs, what's and why's about it. Now why is this the case? Because the predominant nature of the time was that they were upon the Qur'an and the sunnah as understood by the companions and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That is why. And so... What changed from them to the next generation Is that slowly more deviation started So then naturally this would be now Not the same as the second generation It would be the third best Which is the students of the tabi'un Right, the students of the tabi'in That's who were called what? What are they called? Or the atba' Right, atba' tabi'in or the tabi'in No issues, khalas, don't worry The atba' Right which are those who followed the tabi'een. What يعني, made them the third is because now more deviation had spread. And they were a smaller number in comparison to the number of the tabi'een that were there in response to how, much, how many deviations there were. So that is why the sahaba, they were all on one level, one playing field, one understanding of tawheed. Tawheed, as many people will have you believe, this is something that we say has no difference of opinion In aqeedah, you can't say oh, Some said Allah is one and others said Astaghfirullah Right, there's no deviation in this However, there are some issues Some minute issues Where they might have had some differences of opinion Yes, no issues However, did any of them have any problem in this? No And subhanAllah, Imam al-Dahabi rahimahullah He summarizes he has a very good book called Kitab al-Ulum, right? Which is a book يعني, pretty much solidifying this understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above. And subhanAllah, he says in his one of his conclusions that he makes is that Allah is above the throne as the first generation. As the first generation. Who's the first generation? Sahaba. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. Unanimously. Ajma'u. They had ijma' on the issue. There's no difference of opinion. Regarding this issue As the sahaba The first generation Unanimously agreed upon And subhanallah He says And as the imams after them 
and he quoted many of them. He said they said this in refutation of the Jahmiyyah. Now, subhanAllah, this is very, very important that we understand this. Now, some of what was said, Imam al awzai rahimahullah, who was from the most famous of the Tabi'een, he said, We and the Tabi'een we unanimously say, unanimously. What does this mean? Imam yani, al awzai he had his own fiqh, one of the greatest scholars of the Tabi'een. Okay? He is saying, We, right, who are the the, the, the great scholars of the Tabi'een, not just any people who lived in that at that time. He said, We and the Tabi'een unanimously say, there's not one of anyone who's worth mentioning who differed from us. We, anyone who's on our level, we unanimously say that verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned that He is above His arsh and we believe above His throne and we believe in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala related in the sunnah regarding His attributes. Click up. That wasn't Imam Qutayba rahimahullah ibn Sa'id. He says the view of uh, the imma, the scholars in Islam, and the Sunnah and the Jama'ah confirm this: that our Lord is above the seventh heaven, above His throne, just as He says, and يعني, He's Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is over the throne established. Istawa ala al-Arsh. Then Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawa. Then Ishaq ibn Rahoya, another great scholar. يعني, some people say Rahoya, and the Muhaddithin generally say Rahoya. Now he died 238 Hijri. He says the Ijma' of the scholars is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the throne, which he rose over. His knowledge encompasses everything, what is beneath the seven heavens, including that which is beneath the seven, beneath the seven heavens, seven earths. So we, there's a difference of opinion. The earth is seven. Are the earth seven also? Some of the Salaf said, yes, the earth is seven, just as we have in certain ahadith, that whoever takes a piece of earth, uh, unjustly Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will raise him in this thing And there's a mention over here With seven earths Seven sorry, six, Seven earths Right So then there is This thing That there are seven earths And seven heavens But there's a, a matter That's been disputed upon And Allah knows best يعني, Imam al-Darabin Rahimahullah He says And it is agreed By Muslims And non-Muslims <laughs> Subhanallah It's agreed upon By the Muslims And the non-Muslims alike That Allah is above the heavens even the Muslims, no, no one will say, oh, يعني, God's يعني, physically everywhere. Right? Even the non-Muslims don't say this. But subhanAllah, anyways. Now, he says, and it was agreed upon by the Muslims that Allah is above his throne, above his heaven. See how it's a bit repetitive? It's getting a bit tiring. i got eight pages of this. Eight pages. Right? Of the Salaf, the scholars that came after. Eight pages. Of people saying unanimously, no difference of opinion. This is, there's, a, there's a very good one. Uh, let's get some good one, you know what I mean? Um, Subhanallah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Abu Zur'a, rahimahullah, who died 264 Hijri, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rose above his throne, separate from his creation, just as he described himself in his book on the tongue of his messenger without describing how, and his knowledge encompasses everything. So we do this. We affirm, yes, that Allah is above. Allah rose above his throne. Do we ever ask how, why, maybe, if, but? Right? Do we ever say these words? No. We don't do tashbih. We don't say that he rose above like I'm sitting on this chair, Allah is sitting like that. No, we don't do tashbih. Right? Or we don't do tamthil. We don't say he sits above just as something else sits above. We don't do this. Right? And we don't, yani, we don't do any of this. What do we do? We affirm 
reaffirm without asking any questions. Reaffirm the meaning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what he says. He could have said any other word. However, Allah, you're going to put words in his mouth, subhanallah. Metaphorically what we're saying, right? Are you going to put words and speak on behalf of Allah better than Allah could have expressed himself? Is that what you're accusing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That you know what Allah meant more than Allah? That he didn't really mean this. He meant something else. That's the first thing. Then they use logic. Then they use logic, right? Whenever characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come, they say how, right? So for instance, we know, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do in the last third of the night? He descends, right? So then they say, huh, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's in Fiji, right? It's the earliest time. We're going to go from the dateline, right? In Fiji, one of the earliest times. I was born there, but whatever. Anyways, now. MashaAllah, assalamu alaikum. Now, in Fiji, when does the sunrise, the last third of the night happen? It's going to be about how many hours before Australia, and then Indonesia, and then Malaysia, and then Perth, right? It's even another country at this point. Anyways, then America, which is days sometimes, right? The times, days sometimes. So then they say, does Allah just every, every moment, is He just coming up and down? This is the mental thing, right? Who asked you to think? Wallah, who asked you? Who, who asked you to... Where, where did you get that from? Where, where, why, why did you do that? Right? He says he descends in the last third. He says he descends in the last third of the night. We affirm it just as we affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears everyone at the same time. He sees everyone at the same time. If he's focusing on you, looking at you, does that mean he's not focusing on someone else? Impossible. We say that his knowledge is everything. It's everywhere. His knowledge is everywhere. It encompasses everything. So over here, just as he can hear everyone at the same time, I'm talking, and the boys at the back are talking. The boys at the back are talking. Thank you. They're talking, I'm talking. Allah hears everyone at the same time. Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala limited in this way? No. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know that the angels, they rotate. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks the angels after they've risen, right? How did you find my slave? He asks, what state did you leave them on? What state did you come up to me? What, they were, do- what, they were-, what were they doing? If that had to happen on six billion people, at six different sunsets and sunrises, you're going to deny every hadith like this? Every hadith that goes against your mind, you're going to de- deny it now? He's not limited by any of this. Nothing is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can do as He wills. Just as He hears everyone, provides for everyone, just as He maintains everyone, He can maintain everything else. No issue. No one asked you to think. Just believe. This is the texts that we have, that are authentic, that our Salaf had no problem understanding. No issue. We affirm it as it came. Its meaning is known. End of story. We don't say it's like this, like that, how, maybe. No, no, no. All of this is forbidden. It's haram. It is haram to ask how. Because it wasn't given. It was not given. The how hasn't been given to us. So how do you know something? How do you know something? Is if you see it, someone tells you about it, 
Or you say, someone tells you, you say something like it. Right? So for instance, يعني, you see lobster. Right? Boys are getting hungry. Right? You see lobster. Right? And you taste it. Yes? And you know, wow, this actually tastes hectic. Right? Uh, sorry for any Hanafis here. But anyways, we, we eat lobster. Right? Actually, I, have, I don't think I've ever eaten lobster. Okay, shrimp. Shrimp, right? Something that I can relate to. You know what I mean? The, the, anyways, yeah. Shrimp. You eat it. Right? And you say it tastes hectic. It's awesome. Or cupcakes? Kalas. Shrimp. Right? So you taste it. So now you've seen it. You've touched it. You've tasted it. And you know. Or someone tells you that this shrimp is, is really good. It's really nice. So now you've affirmed knowledge by someone who tasted it. Or you taste something like it. That's like, okay, that tastes like that. Like for instance, if the banana... Well, give me some shrimp types, you know what I mean? That I assume that this shrimp will be like that shrimp and it's going to taste good because you've had something like it. Now, the only way that we know things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only one. And they break off into two. The only way we know anything about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is from the ilmul ghaib. How do we know anything from the ilmul ghaib is only one way. And that splits into two. It's called wahi. Revelation. And that is either qala Allah or qala Rasul. Allah says, His Messenger has said. That's it. That's the only way we affirm anything. Now, we can explain that which is there in the Quran and the Sunnah. No issue. But we don't deny. We don't ask how. We don't reject. None of this. We affirm as they are. As the apparent meanings are, we affirm. However, without doing any of that which is included in asking how or resemblance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or anything like that. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free us from this, Ya Rab. But this essentially, this question of asking how, these characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or if this means that, then that would necessitate this. This is all from asking how. And this is all forbidden in Islam. Understood? Everyone with me? We could go on for days, eight pages, and this is, this is like one person who's gathered it together. Do you know what I mean? Eight pages. Now imagine if they had to refute all of Khalq Afa'alul Ibad of Imam al-Bukhari, right? And that book, Wallahi, when I first read it, it was in Masjid Nabawi, and it was being read onto Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Qasim, Hafidahullah, one of the Imams of the Haram. And it was a majlis that the book was being read upon the Shaykh. And subhanAllah, there were so many points that just blew my mind. Subhanallah, it is a book that is unbelievable. Khalq Afa'alul Ibad, which is a thorn in the necks of those who have deviated. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from deviation. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free us from it. Now, something that is important. Now, you have all of this information, yes? There is no benefit in you going and starting TikTok wars and saying $100. For anyone who can prove that Allah is not above his throne. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's TikTok. Yeah, no, anyways. This is not the point of Islam. That you go and you debate for hours on end. Why do all of these Islamic debates happen at 12 o'clock at night? I don't understand. Why? Right? Why is it always midnight that these TikTok debates happen? I don't know. I don't get it. Right? But anyways, this is not what you're supposed to do. The person who believes something else, let him believe it. You believe in you because you trying to explain it to him, half of the time is going to make it worse. Half, unless someone comes up to you and says, what is the reality of this issue? Right? Then you go and you do your da'wah. 
However, you coming to some random and saying that it is from wisdom that I am going to now change you and I am now responsible for your guidance and you are a deviant <laughs> and I am the savior, right? This is the type of mentality, subhanAllah, the way that they speak about these issues. One, it becomes almost يعني, arrogance. There's a lot of arrogance in there. But the, the second issue is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the subject of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it becomes يعني, something that becomes somewhat theoretical and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not revered in the way that He should be revered. Allah has to be glorified. Allah has to be exalted. Allah is above all things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not for little 12 year olds right, to argue about, about يعني, little things like this. Right? Now this is a very important topic. Don't think that I'm saying, oh, there's been no refutations on in any of this. No, no, no. Khalqa fa'alul ibadat in essence by Imam al-Bukhari was a refutation. Right? We have boys in the back. Come on. Allah ibadik fi. I'm losing my chain of thought. Khalas. We lost it. It came back. Now, khalqa fa'alul ibad itself was what? A refutation. Right? And you have you have all of these great books that were written by the Salaf as refutations. Refutations have a part in Islam, yes. But they are done by the scholars and the students of knowledge. Those who have been given permission by the scholars to do this topic, to do this effort. If you just want to go and you are putting yourself in this heat of the fire, which is arguing, then this could be extremely, extremely, extremely problematic. Why? I believe it's Shaykh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah who says, <coughs> and beware of losing in a debate. If you're going to do it, make sure that you're mu'ahal for it, that you have the characteristics of being able to debate, but ensure that you don't lose. Why? Because if you lose, it's not you that is losing. It is a, who's losing? The people of the Sunnah are losing. Because you represent something. You're saying, I'm Salafi, right? Or I'm from Ahl Sunnah. I'm from the people of the Sunnah. And if you lose, who actually loses? You, the people that you represent. So this is what? Extremely dangerous. If someone can says, I overpowered and overcame this person who was Salafi, or this person that was Athari, or this person that was Alul Hadith, or this person, we go by many names, no issues. Yes? But over here, beware of indulging in these things, especially if you don't have knowledge. Especially if you don't have knowledge. Because this is detrimental, not just to you, to those around you and the people who are actually capable of doing this. And I have seen, me personally, people of the Sunnah who are good brothers, who have meant well, sincere brothers, but they went and they started going into parks and يعني, arguing and having a time of their lives. And they were, wallahi, I personally think they lost the debates. Why? It's because they weren't eloquent enough. They didn't have the good research. They didn't have anything that was strong in their points. And they lost those debates. Don't think just because you're on haq that you are invincible. This person that you might be debating has probably spent 10-15 years mastering an idea. Mastering the angles that you can come up with. And has memorized ways to refute it. So don't put yourself in this. Unless a sheikh has said you're very good at this. Go. Go into this field. Then you do it. As for the lay person, he is not to debate these. Yani, I'm going to say something. He is not to debate these ignorant people, right? And we believe they're ignorant. No issues. But you don't. It's not from wisdom to go around saying, "Oh, you're a deviant. You're a deviant." It's not lollies, right? We should feel pain and hurt and upset that someone is not upon the correct creed. 
This is something, where's you love for your brother what you love for yourself, yes? Don't you want him to be guided? Don't you, won't you be upset if your own brother was misguided? Would you be upset for yourself to be misguided? No one would want misguidance for himself. So why do you treat him in a way that you are happy for him to be misguided? Why? Where is this mentality in Islam? That you're happy for him to be misguided. Where is your love for your brother what you love for yourself? Unless you're calling him a kafir, then you have bigger problems, right? <laughs> you got other issues. But over here, we're saying that this person who has a deviation, why do you get some sense of joy out of this? It's not something to be happy about. Wallahi, we should be crying over anyone who is not upon the way of the Quran and the Sunnah as understood by the Salaf. We should be crying over their hidayah and making dua, begging Allah. When have you made dua for a deviant to be guided to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So now do you really love for your brother what you love for yourself? Or is it just, I'm going to put it on him, I'm going to make him feel small, I'm going to make him يعني, look like an idiot, look at him, doesn't know anything, and my sheikh knows everything. No, it's, not, it's not from Islam. Love for your brother what you love for yourself. Now, so over here, we understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala istawa, thumma istawa ila sama. He rose above the sky, or towards the sky. Now, over here, we have that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of all things. Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, He says, Allah is of all things that He created aware. Allah is of all things that He created aware. بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ Everything that is a shaykh, right, that is in this dunya, Allah created it. And Allah knows of all things, whether it's created or uncreated. Allah knows it. Yes? So over here, بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of all things aware. And over here, we have to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all things. So this would necessitate and it would mean that it is impossible that Allah doesn't know it. If you create something, you know what it is. You know it. But what about the greatest creator? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who created from non-existence. Then he knows by default everything, even if that thing doesn't know it about itself. Now, like, take an example, right? You are sitting here. You have about, like, eight organs in your body. I don't know how many there are. But, like, like you got organs in your body that are just working right now, right? If I asked you... What are the levels of your, يعني, give me an organ, right? Like in your gallbladder, right? What level of يعني, a certain chemical is there without you, the exact amount, right? What is it that's going in your body right now, in your liver? What's happening right now? Without doing a test, you would not have a single clue what is happening in your body, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything that you don't even know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the things that are hiding within your bodies that you you don't know what acid is going there and exactly what level and what's going on in your in your يعني, in your intestines. You don't know any of this. Allah knows all of it. Allah knows every neuron, everything that's in your brain, Allah knows it all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows things that you have no clue about. So over here, Allah is aware of all things. And his knowledge is the perfect knowledge. Allah's knowledge is the perfect knowledge. There is nothing that is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, subhanallah, with this, we conclude this verse. Barakallahu feekum. Next week is يعني, back to going to two, three verses at a time, inshaAllah. But this verse, يعني, it, it needed a bit more explanation. Barakallahu feekum. So inshaAllah, next week we continue uh, trying to, hopefully, take half a page. Bi'idnillahi tabarak wa ta'ala.
بارك الله فيكم وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وجزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio 